Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome back to uh, our episode, our next episode of the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. I am Chris Bay, uh, joined here by Mike Everett, the founder of Life Success and Legacy and mentee of Nelson Nash. How are you, Mike? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We are uh, starting early today, but I know you've already been out doing stuff. Oh, buddy. I tell you, when you got four acres, there's always something to do. Yeah. I'm already starting to think about my new, uh, I've got a little uh, area that I recreated my uh, uh, sump pump overflow and I need to widen my channel just a little bit and add rocks in. Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. (laughs) Not that I'm, not that I'm. Just about every Monday when we get together for strategy (laughs) sessions, we got our whole team together. It usually has to have, we call it story hour. And it usually has to do with either Mike Everett's golf game or something to do with his sump pump. He, oh, man. he has a sump pump fetish that is unrivaled. Uh, well, let's see. We've been here six years now. I have bought four sump pumps because <laughs> I just couldn't get the water to flow out correctly. But now I got it flowing out correctly. And um, uh, Tim, the tool man. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, I finally bought me a sizable sump pump. I mean, th- this thing can move some water. They're normally quarter or half horse. I bought me a one horse sump pump. And if you if you put a hose on this thing, I'm going to tell you, I could knock over one of my grandkids. It's so powerful. It's awesome. Oh, so I've just got a little, little kind of of minor standing water that I need to get kind of redirected. It's mm-hmm. going to be the yard out there right now is unbelievable. Sorry. So to our, on. to our listeners, you just got to experience exactly how our strategy sessions start <laughs> every Monday. Oh, and and I'm goodness. sure that our listeners are relieved to know that your sump pump is working and you've got, oh. you've got some projects ahead of you to keep well, you busy. It's, it's an emotional thing. I, I, appreci- <laughs> I appreciate the uh, listeners enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> That's an assumption. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, today uh, we're going to continue our theme of questions that come up during boot camps. And the one that we're going to jump into today is, can you utilize IBC for other types of investments? And the way we're going to unpack this is we're going to actually go back to the book and we're going to highlight going through the book times when Nelson mentions, talks about references, investments. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to give you examples of what we see with our clients and the different things, because it is the infinite banking concept. Yeah. The, the, the ways that people utilize our IBC system is infinite and it's really creative. Um, and so we're going to talk about both of those examples from the book, examples that we've seen from clients. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say we're not going to go in depth in the examples in the book, because we've done that. We spent about two years going through the book. So if we touch on something that you go, oh, I want to hear more about that, go back and reference previous podcasts. We've listed those by the different chapter titles. Uh, Mike Crawford's done a great job of, of putting those together for us. You can go back and reference those by title and dig into it. Okay, Mike, we're going to jump in. I'm actually going to start this off exactly how we start off our boot camps. Yeah. Okay. 
And Nelson references, if you've got a copy of Becoming Your Own Banker right here, we always say, if you don't, you need to get yourself a copy. You can yep. get one off of our website, lifesuccesslegacy.com. Um, I'm starting off page three, and I usually don't go back to the previous um, paragraph, but Nelson says the whole idea is to recapture the interest that one is paying to banks and finance companies for the major items that we need during a lifetime, mm. such as automobiles, major appliances, education, homes, and here it is, investment opportunities, business equipment, etc. Now, he says very clearly, this book is not about investments of any kind. It is about how one finances the things of life, which can certainly include investments, okay? He very clearly says it's not about rates of return, okay? But it is about controlling the, the finance function in your life, right? Which can include investments, <laughs> So quick reminder, Mike, what are the four things that IBC does for people? And we're really focusing today on the third one. That's right. So you rapidly eliminate outside debt. We're teaching everybody how to finance the things of life. It allows passive income in a tax-free environment, and it guarantees wealth transfer in a tax-free environment. Four things right there. And we're focusing on number three today, which yep. is, is passive income. So if you've got your book, turn to page four. And I want to I I bring up why we say passive income. It's because Nelson said it. And he says right here, hopefully this book, I am in the second full paragraph on page four. Nelson says, hopefully this book will give you a new perspective on the idea of, quote, retirement. Mm -hmm. I prefer to use the words passive income. That is money coming in that you can count on and you don't do anything to earn it at that time. Okay. So the idea is creating a stream of passive income that flows to you that you don't have to do anything. You'd have to work for, right? And Nelson likes to use that term instead of retirement. And Mike, just real quickly re remind us, why doesn't he like to use the term retirement? Well, Nelson worked until the day he died, and retirement is a man-made idea, um, you know, and he used to always say, did Moses retire? <laughs> so I, before we get too far off of page four, I'm yeah. actually going to read the first sentence of the very next paragraph. The infinite banking concept is a major paradigm shift for most folks. So most, if not all of our listeners have adopted this kind of thought process, but there mm. are some that are listening for the very first time that are going, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what he means. A major paradigm shift in our thinking. Nelson used to say to me all the time, Mike, it's a matter of how you think. And the reason why people can't shift their thinking is because we are so ingrained in the thinking of the way the world's financial system already works. And so we are literally, and we use this, we are dragging people out of their ruts and getting them on a different road to think differently. And it just so happens that part of that thinking differently today 
is getting people to understand they're building a system where they will have access to dollars and it will come to them and they don't have to do anything to get it. That's why Nelson called it passive income. Yeah. It's pretty simple stuff. You know, Nelson talked about how we have become people of the minute, right? Mm. That we want to have these immediate pleasures. We're not willing to save mm-hmm. and store up money. And, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but he talks in the golden rule on page 31. He talks about when, when you have the gold, you make the rules. Opportunities will find you. They and do. Because we are in such a, a now immediacy world, right? Yep. We have to therefore rely on outside sources to finance our investments and opportunities. Whereas if we were a little bit more patient and diligent, we would actually build up our store of capital ourselves inside our IBC policies and then apply the golden rule. Opportunities are going to find us, right? Well, and when you when you have this pool that you have access to, you are much pickier <laughs> about the things that you're putting your money into. Mm-hmm. And once again, that goes back to the first two rules, you know, uh, getting rid of debt and learning how to finance the things of your life. You know, I had that same conversation with one of our clients this week. We had a, we touch base because he's got renewal coming up and, and uh, you know, they literally were talking about all of these different things. And I, I finally, they got four kids. I said, so let me ask you this. <laughs> I said, do you think your kids will buy cars? I always said, sure. I said, there's a chance they're going to go to college. Well, probably. Uh, are they going to get married? He said, probably. And I said, they might want to buy a house. So what would happen if all of a sudden you, mom and dad, took your pool and loaned it out to your kids for all of the things that we just talked about? I said, then all of a sudden, are those kids going to need to make payments to you for those items? Yeah. And he said, yeah. I said, he goes, well, I never even gave that a thought. I said, that's what we're here for. So I said, you just take your family pool circle and you just made it bigger. And I said, if you do, if you do this later on in life, and I said, you got four kids and they're all paying you $2,500 a month. That's 30,000 bucks a year. I said, what kind of investment's going to give you $30,000 a year Right. for cars, homes, whatever, student loans, money just comes to you and you don't even have to do anything for it. That's, so it's being that's created. Examples, that's one of the examples that we see with our clients is creating that family banking system. That's that right. Creates that passive income, but they're simply keeping all that financing inside the family. Mm. So, so exactly right. One, you know, let's <clears throat> eliminate outside debt and turn that wind in our direction, which we'll get to. And then yeah. another thing we see is just creating family banking systems. So, Mike, I am now on page 12, how the infinite banking concept got started. <laughs> and, and what we're going to do is we're just going to touch on different examples where Nelson talks about financing things or investments. And, and he says he was strongly influenced by his experience in the real estate business. Now, his real, his real estate experiences 
um, a little bit different in how he started out than most people do. He actually started right. out with timber, right? Yep. Yeah. And so what he learned during that time period is whether it's whatever the investment is, it's about leverage. Yep. And so he utilized, you know, in this case, he utilized timber or, or um, uh, logging businesses, things like that. He utilized those examples in the book a lot of times because that's mm -hmm. what he was familiar with. But it's that leverage piece where you can take money and borrow it. Most people do it from a bank and right. then leverage it for something else. It's going that's to correct. A return. Well, it's a no brainer that if you have an IBC system of policies that you would utilize your cash values for those investments. And in this case, maybe it's land timber, real estate, et cetera. Mm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Mike, let's talk about on page 17, the problem, because the very first place that we, we, Nelson talks about, and we start with is the problem. And that is eliminating outside debt. Why do we talk about eliminating outside debt as an investment? Well, so in the great big scheme of things, and Nelson uses a uh, airplanes. He was a pilot, so he uses airplanes. So we're we're always fighting a headwind with the payments that we're making. So when people go out and get a mortgage, they go out to a mortgage company and they they're paying what four to eight percent for a mortgage, right? They want to get a car, so they go out and they borrow money on a car. And, you know, you can get your 0% or most of the time people are buying used cars and they're getting somewhere between 8 and 12% on their car loan. We've got credit card debt that is just ridiculous. Uh, average customer, 15%. I'm just telling you, average customer. And, and then you've got your student loans that obviously during the pandemic, we've had this big gap time where people haven't had to pay. But guess what? It's come and due. So you've got all these different things that, you know, if you think about it, our investment world, and I'm going to go back to kind of conventional thinking for just a little bit, says that you can go ahead and put your money into the 401k, the IRAs, the mutual fund, and get a certain percentage, a rate of return, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in almost all of those, you're doing that on a pre-tax basis. But you're going out and you're borrowing money over here at the four, the six, the eight, the 10, the 12%, or even 15 in credit cards. And you're getting this little pittance of five to 10% on your investments. So let's think about all of the debt load that we're paying on. If you combine those over a lifetime, Nelson says it's 34.5% that we are losing to the system, not our system, but to the financial system. So if there was a way, some kind of process out there where you could get part of that 34.5% back, would you want to know about it? Right, right. So that's why we start there is like, okay, if you can turn the wind current on your own debt yep. and you can recover oh. that 34 and a half percent and there's no risk involved, it's just you turning your wind current. That's right. It makes a lot of sense to start there. 
Yeah, and really, it, and so there are some listeners here today that possibly don't have a copy of Nelson's book and haven't read that. We encourage you. In fact, if you go back to page three and four, it takes multiple readings of this book in order to get your mind wrapped around this thing. Good stuff. Let's turn to page 31, the golden rule. And um, there's a couple of points here that I want to touch on. I'm sure you will want to as well. I referenced this earlier. If you go down on page 31, the golden rule, if you go to the uh, about three quarters of the way down in that first paragraph, (laughs) Nelson says the common man has become so infatuated with living for today that the importance of saving, of creating capital, is all but a lost value. The American savings rate is miserably low. At the time of this writing, it has been negative. Last month, it was at an all-time low. Okay. Then he goes yeah, on. By the, say, by the way, I've got that highlighted and underlined, that particular grouping that you just read. This next paragraph says, as a result, and this is where most of us have landed. And, yep. and because of the way of our thinking, we don't even think there's another option. As a result, someone else has to provide the capital that's necessary to sustain our way of life. This strategy carries with it very high cost, and we all suffer the consequences. It all begins with a faulty premise, which is one of Nelson's principles, right? Yep. Rethink your thinking. Yep. Okay. So, So here he's talking about building up capital. He's talking about in an IBC policy. Because when you do, you get to make the rules. He gives an example of Panasonic and Mexico and different (laughs) ways of thinking with that business. But you can go back and listen to our podcast on that. Um, He does say, though, that when you have a large amount of cash on hand, all sorts of good opportunities will appear. And you can also negotiate very favorable purchase prices. Yes, you can. Yeah, that's different if you're having to work with a bank, right? That's right, because they set the rules. Let's just put it in a common, uh, you know, we've we've been in a a seller's market here for quite a while in real estate, right? Yep, yep. And we've been in a situation, we personally have experienced this recently, where you're getting multiple offers all over asking price. What is the one offer that jumps to the top? It's the cash offer, right? 100% every time. Right. And so again, it is the golden rule. Those who have the gold. Make, make the, the rules. rules. Make That's the it. Rules. Yep. Okay, Mike, one of your favorite uh, parts of the book is the equipment financing, page 54. And this is another <laughs> example. Um, this is another example of how we see our clients utilizing IBC for an yep. investment. Now, a lot of people, unless they're in business, may not see businesses as an investment, right? Right. But businesses can be investment, whether it's your own business or actually purchasing other businesses. So you want to talk a little bit about the equipment financing and the logging contractor, and then eventually how he actually even uses his IBC policy to lease logging equipment to his company. Well, you know, basically what's happening is when the equipment financing guy sees this, the lights all come on and he says, you know what I'd like to do is I'd just like to park 
$40,000 a year for four years into a policy. And if you go back and you listen to our equipment financing, you'll understand the way the policy is designed with the base and the paid up addition rider. But then at the end of four years, he says, you know what? I don't want to pay anything on this thing anymore. So if you go back and you look at illustration number one, boom, 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 he goes and he just lets the money set with the insurance company. And when he hits retirement age of age 65, he starts drawing $92,000 a year in income. Now, if you looked at that and you go, he put 160 grand in this thing, and now he takes $92,000 out for 20 years, and he dies at age 85. That is a great investment. That is a great investment. But then Nelson goes into detail and explains the debt load that this uh, equipment financing guy is doing. He's a logger, so he's got trucks. He's got tractors, he's got tree shears that are all financed. So what he does is, and I'm, I'm just, I'm going to blow through a couple of these real quick so people will understand. And if you go back and you listen to our equipment financing in a little more detail, this will kind of really come full circle for you. But he decides he's going to finance one truck, same 40,000 in for four years, 160 grand in, but at a at retirement age, he takes 100,000 out the first year and he takes $125,000 out for the next 19 years. So did he change his cash flow? He did not. He changed who got it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not even mentioning the fact that the death benefit also increased. So the amount of capital that was being funneled back into his system grew. And did he change? anything of his cash flow he did not he just changed who got it so it was a matter of doing the same thing that he was already doing with the finance company but he became the finance company of one truck two trucks i I, i'm going to do two three four real quick two trucks same thing he just started financing two trucks he's now pulling out one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year three trucks utilizing one hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year And just to complicate it, he did all four trucks and a tractor, but he did the last truck and the tractor in year 13. He started pulling out $225,000 a year. All he did was he shifted the wind current of where his dollars were going. It's it's almost unbelievable. So you can can get $92,000 out a year or you can get $225,000. We'll let you choose. But the more you use your system to finance the things of life, the greater opportunity you have for this additional passive income at a time when you're going to need it the most, which is later on in life. Mike, I think that's a great example from the book of how a business owner can use their own business as an investment and create passive income. Can you know we work with a lot of business owners and a lot of yeah. different a lot of different areas of business? Can you think of an example or two of a business owner where they've actually utilized their IBC system? They've invested in their business just to give our listeners examples of the kinds of ways that our business owners invest in their businesses. Young family out in Nebraska just this week. Uh, he runs a seed company. 
and uh, he, he buys all of his inventory through IBC. So as he is going out, remember, he's, he's a middleman third party selling to individual farmers for seed and fertilizer. So one of the things that he did was he's financing the building for storage of this seed and fertilizer. He's also buying all of the inventory. He's also buying the equipment that he's utilizing to move these giant pallets of seed and fertilizer around. And it just so happened, I talked to him this week. He said, well, I had to have a new truck for all this stuff that I got to haul around. <laughs> we both kind of cracked up. I think his wife was a little hesitant. But <laughs> the great thing is we're now redesigning his plan, his strategy to accommodate the, the awesome four-door truck that he just bought. You know, and I don't care if it's a twenty, forty, sixty, eighty thousand dollar truck. Will IBC work for it? Hundred percent. So you know, he financed this thing for I, th I think it was six years, mm -hmm. and we're going to be able. To, I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to pay it off in three. So we're going to save him three years of interest that he would have paid the finance company for the truck. Yeah. And who gets that interest at that point? He does. Did we change his cash flow? Nope. No, we changed who got it. Great example. Thanks for that. Okay, looking at the next example in the book, I'm on page 69, but I can get a higher rate of return. <laughs> and um, this is kind of interesting to me. Th this whole chapter, and again, our listeners can go back and listen to it in, in detail, is so many times we get people talking about, in fact, we had one on our last boot camp um, and they're like, why would I take that initial time to capitalize a system um, when I could, you know, utilize my HELOC or something else and get 100% access to it right away? Why would I do it through an IBC system? Hmm. Well, what Nelson says right here, and I'm on the first paragraph at the very end of it, the last sentence or two, he says, we're not addressing the yield of an investment. We are discussing how you finance anything that you buy. It is always better to finance it through your banking system than out of your pocket, which is again, what you were just referencing, Mike. Yep. For example, with the farmer is, yeah, and, 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 and Nelson says, look, there is a delay. This is at the top of uh, 69, the second yep. column. He says, yes, there is a delay in time when getting the banking system established. But once this is done, it is a one-time only event. Hmm. And then you've got your whole system to finance anything that you want. Okay. Now, I want to go to page 75. This is a different look at the monetary value of a college degree. And this one is definitely worth people going back and listening to in detail. I want to skip specifically to page 77, first column last bullet point on that side, because this is something, and, and Mike and I talk about this all the time, the more we read Nelson's book, the more things pop into our brains. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was you, uh, Mike Everett, when we were going through this for the podcast, you're like, that's the income snowball, right? That is, yeah, that's right. Okay, so walk us through this gal. She, she, this is, Nelson's giving the example of instead of going to, me, to medical school, 
Instead, she puts that money into IBC policies and then puts it to work in, in that example, that last bullet in the first column. Well, basically what she did was she, she went ahead and completely capitalized a policy. And then by the time she got to the, I believe it was the seventh or eighth year, mm -hmm. there was a bucket of money. We call it a pool. Yeah. And at that point in time, she forwent her college. She utilized the dollars that were going to be available for her to go to college. She put it into IBC. She then started buying luxury cars to go out and lease to the people who were going to be at the medical school that she was, that just so happened to be in her neighborhood. Yeah. And so the bottom line is because of how the dollars are going to be coming back to her in a quick fashion on these leases. Now who owns the cars? She does. She's leasing them. She's getting income out of this thing. She's shuttling that income back into policy payments to who? To her plan. And then every six months, she gets to go out and buy additional cars to increase the fleet that she is leasing to somebody else. Yeah. It's, it's almost unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, this is exactly what the income snowball is all about. You know, yeah, and so, you, so you've, you've been harping us. at me about getting mine started and I'm still kind of on the sidelines, but you know, that's just a difference in our age and how we think about it. And yeah. this is why rule number five, principle number five, rethink your thinking. We have to do it too, folks. Yeah. We've got to rethink our thinking because sometimes we get in that rut, even as IBC people, and we go, golly, this has got to work this way. So, and there's so always we have, options. We, we have clients who, once they've turned the wind current on their consumer debt, a lot of them, so they're addressing personal debt. Sometimes we've referenced, you know, that they're starting family banking and they'll loan yep. money to other family members to start businesses, to pay off debt, you know, all mm -hmm. kinds of, to purchase cars. Um, sometimes they're investing in their own business or other people's business. Sometimes it's real estate, whether it's self-managed or turnkey. Um, land and land flipping is something that we've seen yep. clients utilizing. Yep. But what you were just referencing is the snowball is something we're seeing a lot of our clients getting into a company out of Hawaii called TARDUS, T-A-R-D-U-S. Um, and, and they teach something called the income snowball, which is exactly what Nelson just talked about with this, this right here person. On page this, 77. Yeah, it's this woman who created a leasing business. And she's snowballing it. Well, the income snowball is very similar to that. There's some nuances to it um, that they've you know tweaked, obviously. But it's something that if our clients are interested in learning about it, um, Mike Kwong and I do um, a quick little consultation to explain what it is. And then if they're interested in learning more about it, we can introduce them to uh, Sharon Smith, one of our clients and one of our good friends over at TARDIS. We introduce them to, to them. And yeah, if they absolutely. go through us, they get a, our clients get a discount on their, um, on their coaching fee. Yep. So those are a whole bunch of, of different examples. Um, I want to go back to page 71. I'm going backwards <laughs> here and even distribution yep. of age. Yep. And this, I know is one of your favorites. Um, it is. 
partly, I think, because of your stage of life. Yep. Right. But Nelson says here at the bottom of the first paragraph, he says, and this is another example of an investment. For, for instance, suppose that you are an owner of 4,000 acres of such property and that we plan to grow trees on a 40-year rotation. So we divide the land into 40 compartments of 100 acres each for management purposes. So what he's doing is he's setting up a system where there is a harvest happening on a regular basis, right? Generationally. Generationally, that's an investment with land and with forestry, with timber. That's right. But then he goes on to say, you can take the same concept, just like he did with the income snowball and the cars. He's yep. using forestry and saying, you can use the same concept and utilize IBC policies. Yep. Discuss that for us. Well, basically what you're doing is, and if you flip over to page 72, mm. they're, they're talking about the different generations of dividend paying whole life insurance being owned on multiple generations. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to use me as an example because I, I will be the first generation of IBC in my family. So I started at age 50, and when I bought my policies, I was convinced almost 100% that there was a chance that I was not going to be able to take advantage of IBC in my life. So we're talking about when he took the 4,000 acres and he planted the trees. I'm planting the trees in my life. So knowing full well, when I bought my first two policies, I was going, okay, I'll tell you when the harvest happens for the Everett generation is when this Everett dies. And then there will be additional dollars funneled into the next generation. Well, all of a sudden this thing started to work and I go, oh my gosh, it really does work this way. So is there a chance that I, as the older generation, should I be buying policies on my kids and now grandkids? So what I've done is I've hit A, B, and C on page 72 of the multiple generations. So obviously I'm the higher, I am the highest generation. I'm the oldest male on my side of the family doing IBC. Who do you think the first one out is? It's me. So I told Linda, I said, when I die, you call Chris, you buy more policies on the kids and the grandkids. That's simple. Yep. So when Linda and I are gone, will we have policy loans out on the kids and the grandkids policies? Probably so. So when that death benefit happens, these kids immediately pay off all of the policy loans and then they have additional capital in order to continue to finance things of life. So my grandkids are 11, nine and two right now. You think they're gonna buy cars. <laughs> you think they're gonna go to college. They're gonna get married and they're gonna buy a house. So all of a sudden what we've done is I'm guaranteeing 100% that all of the financing of the future generations will take place out of our own IBC system.
And of course, on page 72, um, there's bullet points on the right hand side of the page that I just get flipped out about. (laughs) And and I'm going to tell you what, this has really been in the last two years that these things have then kind of come full circle. Even though I had read these, even though I've, I, I've, I've studied it, it's just like, this makes so much sense because we spend all of our time in the first 50 pages of the book. Right. But the real meat happens at the end of the book. Yeah. And I would encourage everyone to go to page 72 of the fifth edition of Becoming Your Own Banker and read the bullet points on the right-hand side of the page because this is really what creating stewardship and transferring wealth mentality and helping the future generations understand exactly what you and I are trying to do for our families. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. Yeah. And the, the freedom that we are creating for our families by transferring this educational process to them will not just change for them, but it will change for their kids and their grandkids. My Woo. daughter um, just took her very first um, policy loan. Oh man. From the policy that we signed over to her. Yeah. And, and she set up a, a, a situation. She was getting her, her apartment all set up. But with work and everything, she was kind of losing her steam of getting it finally, you know, everything in its place and everything. <laughs> yeah. So she set up a motivational tool for herself. She said that she would take a policy loan and buy herself a new cell phone using her policy Ooh, loan. there you go. Once she got her apartment all organized and situated, well, she came over the other night and showed us her new phone. So that was kind of cool. Uh- <laughs> and now she's like, now, now, um, can you show me how to set up automatic loan repayments? I was like, oh, there you go. This is awesome. Come on. Okay. Let's, My let's goodness. tie a, uh, let's tie a ribbon and a bow on this. Um, I am, uh, on page 85 under points to consider. And I think this is, this is really eye-opening and, and shows Nelson's wisdom. <laughs> he, he starts off here at the top, very first paragraph. He says, number one, there are only two sources of income, people at work and money at work. So he's yeah. referencing investment, right? That's right. That's right. About putting your money to work. And yep. then he talks about just generationally how it used to be that there was one income earner in the family. And now we've gotten to the place where we've got to have at least two income earners just to pay the bills and cover everything. And he comes down to the end of that paragraph and he says, could it be the fact that this modern family has no money at work? Only Mm. people at work, no money at work, right? Yep. So it's very clear as we go through Nelson's book that he is in favor of putting money at work in investments. Yep. Right. Very much so. The bedrock of all of that. We talk about this all the time. The bedrock of anything you want to do financially is having your system of IBC policies from which you can do anything you want. It is it is infinite, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So any, uh, you know, one thing we didn't mention in this actually is one of the types of investments that you can do is buying more policies. 
<laughs> and I know, and I know, in fact, we had a comment on one of our podcasts. They're like, sometimes, you know, sounds a little sales ployish or whatever. I yep. get that. I, I yep. understand that. We were all clients. Look, we, we get it. We don't like to be salesy. Well, that's not our intent at all. No. But when you know the power of these policies and how they can be utilized in your lives, you can't help but say, yeah, you want more policies. We've got 10. Mike's got about 20. Inside our business, we've got about 10 now. Um, Nelson yep. had 49. So we don't shy away from saying you want to have policies. And Mike just referenced this. When the oldest Everett passes away, <sighs> the whole thing come, becomes self-sustainable, right? Yep, that's right. You know, uh, Nelson used to say to me, he goes, well, if it works well with one, would it work okay with two? <laughs> and I'm going, well, it's kind of a no-brainer, but it takes this educational process. It takes this paradigm shift in our thinking. It takes an internal fortitude for us to go, is this the right thing for me? Yeah. And so part of the reason why we go through our extensive education with IBC is we want people to catch what's going on with IBC. We can teach all about it, right. but unless you catch it, chances are you're not going to move on it or else we may not even let you move on it with us. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a, a different, it's a different uh, way to think about the dollars that flow in and out of our hands. Pretty simple. Absolutely. So just as a reminder, number one, where we start is eliminating outside debt because it's the best investment you can do. Eliminating yep. that outside consumer debt, safest and, and best return. Number two, we continue to capitalize and build a system you can use to finance everything in your life, including investments. And that's number three, where we start focusing on passive income. Yep. And then of course, number four is tax-free wealth transfer. And Come on. What our younger generations are focused on, right? <laughs> that's right. Good waiting stuff, Mike Everett. Waiting Good for stuff. graduation. That's right. <laughs> hey, to our listeners, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate any comments, feedback that you guys give. Um, we do our best to respond to those. Uh, fire away with questions that you have. We appreciate that. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Uh, we'd appreciate it. And uh, join us next time on our next uh, edition of our podcast at Life, Success, and Legacy. Thank you. <laughs>